Welcome to the podcast of Dr. Michael Jacobs. We believe today's message will help you walk in faith and have victory now. You ready for me to come? Hallelujah. All right. Well, I don't know what to do with all those wonderful uh, introductions. I think she was talking about me, but anyway. (laughs) Well, I hope I exemplify that when I minister to people. I'm just kind of a to-the-point guy. You know, I don't waste a lot of words. and But I do love people, and I try to help them the best I can. But, you know, sometimes you just have to say what you need to say, too. So, Father, we love you. We thank you so much that uh, this is a set meeting. The praise and worship team just set this all up. For me, the anointing's on me. I thank you for it. I want to be faithful to you, and I ask you to use my mouth and my tongue as a pen of a ready writer to speak things I need to say tonight, to minister as the oracles of God, to minister with your ability through my hands and things you may tell me to do or say with people. I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, may each person have a heart that's hungry. Each person have a mind that's open to receive what we're talking about. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. You could be seated. Hallelujah. It's just great to be with you. I appreciate uh, Pastor Morgan really asked me to come. I think she had Pastor Nancy's agreement. <laughs> <laughs> she did. I want to talk a little bit about my books again. This is Spiritual Father or Spiritual Failure. It's a great book. If you're not, you don't want to grow up, do not buy it. It'll make you mad. <laughs> and I don't really care if it makes you mad. It's the truth. And I'm just talking, you know, from experience. Dad Dufresne held this book up in this church one time. He asked me to come do a mentoring class with him. I think I did two sessions and he did one. And he said, this is the best book written on the subject. So I got a lot of hateful letters from people that left me. You know what I mean. I don't think you, I don't think you know what I mean. And the Lord told me with this book, he said, you're way ahead of the curve, Michael, and you're going to take a lot of heat because of this. But go ahead and write it anyway. You can handle it. So this is in print. And there would be no reason for somebody not to want to read this. You know, I think Pastor Nancy said this one time, it's not what you're doing right that's making you fail. It's what you don't know or you're not willing to be corrected about. I found out with human beings, if they, I never know what a sheep is really like until I have to bring some correction. Then let's see how they take me then. A lot of people want to buck and run, but I'm just trying to help them. Anyway, we just, uh, I think it's a good book, Spiritual Father or Spiritual Failure. And if you're in a local church, that would be your pastors. Mm. I'm not a pastor anymore, but I have a lot of sons, and I just have some nice people too. There's the Ramoses right there. They like me. (laughs) They love me. That's better. This is my new book on God's healing supply. I think it's a good book, and one of the ladies that helps Pastor Nancy, Michelle Steele, she helped me with this book. I wanted to read one of the sections for you, just a part of it. And what it is, it's got like 31 days, I think, on it. For a month, you take one page or two pages. And what we did, we put the scripture at the top out of the King Jimmy Bible, King James. 
He sent his word and healed them, Psalm 107.20, and delivered them from their destructions. But I love the, it, see, we have Amplified, BBE, CEV, Fenton, Lesser, Moffat, uh, TPT, that's the Passion Bible. And then we have a confession. But I love the, sec, the Bible in basic English says, he sent his word and made them well and kept them safe from the underworld. That's the world of demonic spirits. All right. I love that. And then at the end, we have a little confession. This is like a paragraph. And once you read those different translations, sometimes you get a different light on the scripture and that will help you. I don't, I don't, I don't pump a lot of Bibles. I think the Amplified is the best in the New Testament that I know anything about. But anyway, this is what you would say. And we put confess this from your heart. Father, you sent your word. I exalt your word over every situation in my life. I receive your word as health to my body, restoration to my life. You sent your word and healed me and delivered me. Your word has made me well and continually preserves my life. I receive the healing action of your word and I rejoice in you. That's just a little confession. You could just take one a day or you could read all of them in a day. And go back over it. There's just 30 different, 30 or 31 scriptures we picked out. And then she put it together with different translations. Then I, this is my oldest book. The angels of God, the angels are waiting on you. It's like a pun on words. Like they're waiting on you. Like if you go to a good restaurant where the waiter doesn't bug you to end oblivion. <laughs> But they're there to fill your water and ask if you need it, want a dessert or whatever. And they're really polite and know what they're doing. But they're waiting on you like, I wonder if she's ever going to say something we could do. You know, to help her. I want to tell you, say this one time. God's not doing anything but what we do on a personal level. You know, he's not in control down here. You are. He's already sent Jesus and redeemed us. That's the best he could do. And it's well, well, it's the best thing anybody could have done. And you're not a sub heir. You need to get this. You're a joint heir with Jesus. And if that don't put you over, honey, you're done. Put your saddle on. You're over. <laughs> you're done. So this is my book on angels. Of course, I know a lot more than's in this book. It's written 20 years ago. I have a few of the visions, but not a lot of them in here. I have a lot in here. But it's a good book. And if you haven't read it, I encourage you to buy it and read it. And if you have read it once or twice, go back and read it again, because there's a big influx of angels in the earth now to help us in this revival we're stepping into. We're already in it to a degree. I'm not going to tell you how far I think we are, but just that's not important now. But there's a move of God for freshness on us. You know, if you want it, you know, you got to want it. Then these are two brand new books. I think this is only the second or third meeting I've had these. Somebody is anointed to help you. It's a good book. And you know, I mean, that's not down to your dentist. Or whatever you need to know, somebody's anointed to help you in that particular realm. A lot of people could help you, but some are not anointed to help you. And it's up to you to figure that out. You know, like somebody said, and I like to repeat it, some people died because they went to the doctor and some people died because they didn't. And the reason was you didn't figure that out in time. Oh. Just let that sink in. Now, Brother Hagen said that, but I heard him say it and I made a note. This one's on the blood, one of my favorite subjects. 
Actually, what's in this book came as a revelation 1990. I taught on blood covenant prior to that, but this was just specifically on the blood of Jesus. And God woke me up one night and said, get your paper and pencil. I want to talk to you about my blood. So I, I sat down and I wrote this, the kind of the, whatever you call it, to fill in the blanks later, which I did about his blood. And this is the way the contents go. The blood is alive. Dimensions of the blood, different dimensions. The blood breaks Satan's hold. How to activate the blood in your life. Agree with what the blood says. You need to agree, but you have to have faith in the blood. You can't just have faith in Jesus. You got to have faith in his blood. I know it's, it's because it was in him, but the blood wiped out my past, the fellowship of Jesus blood and so forth. I think it's a good book. How far does the blood go? It's in my past. It's today available and it'll be available tomorrow in my future. So anyway, thank you, pastor. All right, we're going to talk about impartations again. <laughs> a little different direction tonight, I think it would be for us. And so, uh, first of all, let's see, I want you to turn to Ecclesiastes. Can anything good come out of Ecclesiastes? <laughs> it sure can. Chapter 10. And we're going to start, we're talking about some different areas tonight to consider about getting an impartation from somebody. I wrote, these are kind of personal notes that I just made as I studied this subject. And I got a lot of them. This is my prophecies that I carry with me. Because, it, and you have to realize if somebody gives you a word, you know what it really means? Let me help you here. It means more work. If you think about it right, because if the word came from a vessel with the anointing on it, then you're going to have to say it too, what they said, or it won't come to pass. Amen. I learned that from my spiritual father. So I, I keep it with me and I go over those things. I'm going to read a few of them to you tonight. And I keep it with me constantly and I go back over it constantly. And sometimes I find things I thought, I was sure I've read this 5,000 times, but I never saw that. All right. So when you have impartations that you receive from somebody, it causes you to have a real accountability in that. And just, I'm asking you some questions as I go too. Do you have the ability to receive counsel without a defensive attitude? I already told you this once, but I'm telling you again, I never found out what was in anybody until I had to bring correction to them. And I'm not the big, listen to me, I'm not the big sniffer outer. I'm not trying to find out all your faults. I just take care of my own backyard. But being a man of God and I have people under me, sometimes it's important that I do it because it could be, not every time, but some, it could be life or death. Yes. And I had people leave me because I had to bring correction. Thank you so much for your enthusiasm. At least you think we're Hollywood. We're not near Hollywood, not trying to be Hollywood. Just being a believer is what I am. That fell in love with Jesus. Yeah, and I had to tell this lady who had committed adultery and ran off with somebody and they were in the ministry. You don't have a ministry, dear, until you correct all this. Get real. And she didn't like that. So she never returned any of my phone calls. And I was very committed to that family. I'm going to tell you where they're from. It's none of your business. But they asked me to meet them in a the hotel in America after everything blew up. And I did that. And I did my best to try to help. But 
she just wasn't really willing to receive anything from me. Because I said, you know, you're not right. You can't just do stuff like that. And I forgive you. That's not a matter of the issue, but you're not, you don't have the quality just to get right back on the platform and pretend every, you're going to have to be responsible for All right. I wasn't mad at her, but she got mad at me. You know, here's something else to think about. Whenever you are in charge, everything is fine. But you have difficulty in working with other people. You get discouraged, depressed, or frustrated when you're not in total control. I hope that doesn't fit anybody here, but I think you might get a whiff of that a minute. <laughs> and let's read this verse here that I just talked about, about, you know, you never find out what's in somebody. Ecclesiastes 10.4. I, I don't remember the flight number, but I was in a plane going somewhere to a foreign country, and I looked this up just you know, kind of by chance, I guess God was directing me, but I read verse four. If the spirit of the ruler rises up against you, leave not your place. Now listen to me. It didn't even say the person who was the ruler was right, but he dealt with you and you got offended and you had a place with him or her, but you've lost it now for yielding pacifies great offenses. Instead of just saying, you know, you're right and I'm, I ask you to forgive me or whatever, I appreciate you being bold with me and talking. Uh, they tried to defend themselves and they were in the wrong. So I've had it happen over and over again. I feel sorry for them. I took, I took everything that Dr. Dufresne said that he needed to say to me without pouting. And I said, I told him when I first met him, I'm going to tell you this one time. I hope I can prove it and live it. But I'm not like Linus. When you, you say something I don't like, I don't grab my banky and my pacifier and run off. A lot of people, did, they did the very thing I'm saying. If the spirit of the ruler or the leader rises up against you, it didn't even say he was right there. It just said he spoke to you maybe a little intensely. Don't leave your place. You had a place, but now you're going to forfeit that place because you won't yield to anybody's correction. I didn't say believe everybody like that, but when the pastor, somebody that you trust that's a spiritual person talks to you, you ought to listen. Maybe we just see things as they really are and you're just saying it like you want to see it. I didn't come here to correct everybody, but you need to listen. I've got some things that I've learned the hard way. And did you ever get corrected? I got corrected all the time because I was hungry to grow. And when dad said something from the pulpit that I knew I was guilty of, I wrote it down and underlined it and made a star by it. I'm going to make sure I don't, I don't do this again. Or I change what I'm doing. I, he wasn't gunning for me. He had my phone number. He was just talking, but I was just the kind of guy that I appreciated a straight talker because that's the way I am. And a lot of people don't appreciate that about me at all. They hate me. I'm just telling you what I know people are like. Not everybody, but there's enough of them to go around if you're looking. Are you progressing in your ministry? I'm going to ask you some technical questions. And what I'm teaching you about was impartations. And it could be that you haven't got the right impartations yet, or you've never received an impartation, or you don't know what to do if you got one. You know what this really means to me? I'm, more, I'm going to be more judged than you. That's all it means. I'm not a kid anymore. 
thinking, ooh, I got a word. Yeah, but the word said I need to do this. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I'm just asking a, just a question. Are you progressing in your ministry? Whatever your ministry is, you know, 2 Corinthians 3, 18 says that we've go from one level of glory to the next. So if we're not changing, I think it's Psalm 84, verse 7, we go from strength to strength. And Romans chapter one, I don't have all those verses here. I have the one in Second Corinthians. Um, Romans one, I don't know about verse mm, 10 or 12, somewhere in there. It says we go from one level of faith, one to the next level of faith. So as I'm getting older, I ought to be able to believe for greater. And this is not just for me, but for the people I minister to. Yeah, okay. And I put, are you progressing into things of the spirit? You're becoming more spiritual. I'm asking those questions. They're rhetorical. You don't have to say that's me. You're progressing. I'm just asking some generic questions. Are you becoming more sensitive to the promptings of the Lord? Are you getting more answers from the Holy Ghost in general? That's what I'm asking you. And you, you need to respond to that. You don't need to say nothing to me, but just listen to what I'm saying and get this tape. Maybe go home and examine some things. I'm not the big corrector, but I'm talking about things that I've walked through and lived and still walk through them. Yeah. And then here's some more. Where are we at right now? I think we're in the last days. I'm not going to tell you when I think Jesus is coming. I very seldom even think like that because I'm just living today for what it's worth and doing my best to be faithful to him. So, you know, if you have a different opinion, that's fine. But, you know, if you're wrong, I'll tell you about it when we, because <laughs> when we're going up, I say, I forgive you. You told me you was coming last month and it's been three years. Come on now. <laughs> what should we expect to happen? There's another question. What are we expecting to happen in these last days? Dad always said it this way. Dad said, if, 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 if this is the big pop, He's going to the head office and say, hey, you, what happened? If this is your pop, you know, we can't even get churches to tithe. I mean, some people do because they're just right. But some, a lot of people don't. That's not important to them. And it really is just called idolatry when you want to hoard up your money for your own life and you don't care anything about the church. I think dad said it this way. I'm saying what he said in a different format. I'm not, I'm not Dr. Dufresne. You know that. My name's Michael. I know people say I act like him and I'm, when you say that, I'm thrilled that I do. But it's evil if I'm trying to act like somebody just for the sake of acting that way. But when I have all the impartations that I've received from him over 20 years, then it would just stand to reason that there ought to be some similarities. All right. I'm just, what about this? Uh, are you in the right phase of your ministry? If you have a ministry or even the ministry of health should know that. Are you in the right room for your ministry? We, we know a little bit about rooms. We may talk about them a little bit tonight. I think a little bit being in the right room. And you know, like I think, well, Pastor Morgan, she introduced me. Now she's a pastor. So when she's up here, you're in her room. The only thing that changed is me behind the pulpit. When she was here, she was, in, now I'm in charge. What I mean by that is I'm a prophet. So you're in my room now. Yes. Everything looks the same in here, but it's not the same. That's good. <laughs> okay. Because I have different mantle than 
pastors have. Not that I'm more important, I'm just different. This is good to know that. All right. So uh, let's see. Let's go to 1 Kings 19 since I mentioned rooms to you because you need to be sometimes in the right room to get those impartations. 1 Kings 19, I think, is where I want to go. Yeah. And we'll, re- we'll read that in just a minute. But when you have an invitation into another person's room, and I'm not bragging on me, I'm just saying whoever you have here, whatever they have in them, that's what they have in them. We're not clones of each other. <laughs> You're like stamping out a cookie. You know, I don't get it with people. You know, they go to lunch and they work in a factory and eat a peanut butter sandwich every day. And they eat three Oreo cookies every day. Try a Fig Newton, brother. Get off your... (laughs) Are you that much in a rut? Golly. Do something different. You fool with me, I'm going to turn this podium around. Anyway. When you have an invitation into another man's room, it's important and we should take it seriously and we should pay attention. I did with Dr. Dufresne. I just knew he was the one that God told me to be with. I was not even smart enough at that moment to figure this out. It took me many years that he was a prophet and God put me with a prophet because I was a prophet too. And you know, the truth of it is I didn't want to be a prophet. I don't know what you're thinking. If you're thinking that, you're just weird. If you are one, that'd be fine. But if you're not, I don't know why you'd want it. You get criticized more. You're a little different than the average bear. Like my mother taught me never to hit a lady. My mother, when I was young, she she drilled it and never hit a woman. But a lady got in my prayer line one time. She had a coat on. It was a, it was a girl's coat, but she said, has God got anything for this? And she had a big tumor. If you cut a grapefruit in two and stick it on your skin, that's what it looked like. It was about that big around. And before I, before I answered her, I slugged her in her tumor and it dissipated. It just disappeared. This was her response. Where did it go? And I said, lady, quit looking for it. Stop that. Stop that nonsense. What are you looking for your tumor? Oh my God, you need help. Think about it a minute. You'll catch up with me sometime and you'll start laughing. (laughs) Don't look for it. I said it was swallowed up by the life of God. And that was my response to hitting her. So she got delivered from whatever was in that tumor. Then I had another lady. I I love telling this story. You like me to tell stories? (laughs) Okay. Me and uh, I had a black brother in Louisville. He wasn't a son, but he's a close friend. And you were in the church in those days, Pastor Keith, with me. And what was his name? Do you remember his name? Arthur Patterson. And we would change pulpits once a year. He'd come over with his people and he would preach in my church and I'd go to his church. I think the bands were the bands that went with the local church, not a different guy. But I went to his place and it was really great. It was a black band. They really knew how to get with God. (laughs) But I had a word about depression because I've had a lot of success with that. So we, I started way over here. I don't know how many people came for it. It was a bunch, like 30 people. My church was there. I don't know how many people I had. However many I had at the regular church, some of them didn't come because it was in the wrong end of town. All kinds of stuff. You know, people are just weird. 
You know, I had a secret word I used with my staff. It's called P- Paul, P-A-W. People are weird. <laughs> and I would tell them, you know, that couple that's got two little boys and they sit over here in the fourth row ever, they're Paul people. <laughs> you just watch, they'll show that out to you in a little bit. They're Paul people. And those over there, they're Paul people too. So I'm going to pray for people to be delivered from depression. I started out, put my hands on everybody's head and prayed and commanded that to be broken off them. Then a lady from my church got in the line. Her name is Tawanta. She's a white girl. She sounds like an Indian. Hey, 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 hey. (laughs) Not making fun of the Indians. I'll make fun of you too if I knew where you were from. Okay. (laughs) Brother. We need to laugh at ourselves sometimes. So Tawanda came up and the Lord said to me, I don't know when it heard it, hit her in the stomach as hard as you can. You would have really been proud of me because I laid hands on her head and I prayed a really good pastoral prayer. I think half the church said amen when I got done. But I disobeyed God. So she stood there and received that prayer. And after she stood there, she started back to her seat and the Lord yelled at me. I don't know if you ever had him yell at you, but it sounded about like this. Michael, are you going to obey me or not? I said, Tawana, come back. God's got something special for you. (laughs) She has no idea what I'm thinking. And I was just so glad when she got in front of me, she lifted her and closed her eyes. The minute she closed her eyes, bam! (laughs) I hit her right in the belly, hard as I could. And this spirit came out of her chest like this. He kind of wiggled. It was a bird looking creature, had a demonic head on him. I've seen those before. He came out and he went through the wall of the church. Now she's married to a Marine that just got back from Afghanistan. He's 6'2". He's a bad motor scooter. I thought, oh my God, this has got to work. I'm going to get beat up in the parking lot. (laughs) Hey, you got a water there for me? Can I get that one from you a minute? I'm just kind of mighty dry. Hallelujah. Thank you, sir. You let me get a drink, won't you? I won't throw this on you. I don't think. And so she came up to me after the service was all over and she said, they told me you slugged me as hard as you could. I said, I did. Did you feel it? No, I just felt the anointing, but something odd happened. I always play people when they do that to me. Really, what happened to you? Well, she went like this. Something came out of my chest. I said, I saw it too. It was a bird looking creature, a spirit of depression, had a demonic head on it. He flew through that wall. So she got delivered and I didn't get beat up. I think that's a good deal. (laughs) I'm working, I'm a thousand percent right now. So now I can't tell you I'll never hit somebody again, but I try not to hit ladies. Yeah. All right. Let's look at this a minute about rooms here. First uh, Kings 19, 15 and 16. And the Lord said unto him, go return on thy way to the wilderness of Damascus. This was Elijah. And when you come anoint Hazel to be king over Syria and Jehu, the son of Nimshi, shalt thou anoint to be king over Israel and Elisha, the son of Saphat of abel you shall anoint to be prophet in thy room. So he's about to take on a protege, an apprentice that he's going to train him how to be a prophet in that prophetic room. And you'd have to be with a prophet to know that. 
I think it's interesting, though, concerning the anointing in general. All of these other kings here, they needed to be anointed. They were intelligent people, but they needed the anointing to learn to rule and reign in their territory. They didn't just need to be smart or educated, but they needed anointing to help them. So anyway, he took him in. It's kind of like Dr. Dufresne took me in to that room. And there's different rooms of the spirit, different rooms you can get into. Like, you know, the apostle has a room. I think pastors have rooms, evangelists, all of us that are in fivefold. And they're not the same room. They're different rooms. Because whatever's in your mantle is in you. Whatever kind of anointing you have. That's what I'm saying. I have anointing to give people healed. And so I have a healing anointing, a healing endowment. I could read it to you in a minute if you wanted me to, but we'll just see about that. But anyway, we're talking about, see, you change rooms. When we change pulpits behind the pulpit, Pastor Morgan's a great pastor. I think she's a wonderful preacher. I think Stephen is too. But when we change, then all of a sudden you're in my room. So you're in the room of the prophet now, and that's where I operate at. That's my highest calling. And I wanted to, you know, my son was only 28 when I was going to turn the church over to him. So I said, you know, he's never done anything in his life but work for me and his mother. Of course, his mother, her, my wife is in heaven now. And I knew he was called to pastor from a very early age. And I said, well, Lord, I'm going, to, I'm going to help him two more years and I'm going to go full time in the prophetic ministry. And he said, if you do that, you're going to be up here with me in two years. You'll be dead. So get straight. I said, oh, okay. Yes. He said, you need to get him up Sunday, this Sunday, and announce to the people, he's your pastor. I'm not, don't come to me anymore about pastoral things because I'm not going to help you. I can't do both. That's what the Lord told me. Unless you want to bury me. You know, and I don't think my people that I'd served for 35 years wanted to bury me. Maybe I assumed that. I don't know. But I think they didn't want to. I don't know if you believe me not yet or whatever, but that's okay. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 14. I'm still talking about rooms because in different rooms you get different access to different things. Yeah. So 1 Corinthians 14, let me find my reference here. It's verse 16. So there are different rooms you can get into. You know, I'm just before a door right now and it's just cracked a little bit open. I'm starting to see the light come out of it. I didn't tell anybody about that door. Didn't tell my wife about it. Didn't tell my sons about it. I've been before that door for three years now. And I said to the Lord, can I just bust it down? He didn't respond to me. When he doesn't respond, I know that's my cue. I better just leave that alone for a while. You know, like I ask questions. I don't know about you if you ever ask questions, but you know, Pastor Nancy, you know, Pastor Nancy, she was at a meeting at Jay Eberly's and she was in her hotel room and uh, dad was already gone and she was over there preaching and she remembered that Dr. Dufresne had a hundred healing angels in his ministry assigned to him. So she's asking because I teach that the angels in the earth, they never go back to heaven that I know anything about. This is their territory on the earth. That's why they're assigned here to help us. And if they weren't, your children are done. Because they can't get from heaven to here in time sometimes, but the angel assigned to your children are with your children. Just trying to help you understand something here. Because most people are thinking, well, they're way out there somewhere. Yeah, but that's not the angels that are in the earth. They're in the earth because this is where they function. 
All the angels work for me. They don't come from heaven. They were originally created by God in heaven or wherever he created them at. And he's already charged them. All I have to do is speak to them based on what I, what the word says I am in Christ and other things. And they will do that. They never talk back to me. It's so refreshing to have somebody I can talk to that never talks back to me. Do you think I'm kidding? I'm not. All right. So you just need to know that. So let me go here. First Corinthians 14, 16. Let me show you something. Else when thou shalt bless with the spirit, how shall he that occupies the room of the unlearned? Notice there's a room of the unlearned. And I, let me just say it bluntly. Don't stay there. You say, well, I don't know anything about this. Then I would study this if it's current and if it's relative to being a normal Christian. And I know people go every which way with this. So you're going to have to judge yourself. You know, and just be successful where God's dealing with you. You can ask some questions. That's smart. I ask questions. I'm a good, I'm a good disciple. And I ask questions of Dad Dufresne too when he was here. Are you listening to me? You should never stay in the room of the unlearned. In other words, you can learn stuff if you have a desire to learn. And if you don't, you're just going to stay the same or die early because you're in disobedience. You haven't even checked God out to make sure you're doing everything he wants you to do. I'm not trying to intimidate people. I'm trying to help you. I think you're in church because you love Jesus. That would be my assumption. And on a Monday night, I don't even know what's on TV, but if you'd rather be at Dancing with the Stars than here, you're in trouble. (laughs) I don't care how you paint it, it's still trouble for you. You need to be figuring out how to be in the room with your pastors and and, and areas where you don't know, learn about it. And then, then let's move on. Let me show you something interesting here. I think it's verse... 23, if therefore therefore the whole church be come together into one place and all speak with tongues, and there come in those that are unlearned or unbelievers, will I not say that you're mad? I'd like to point something out. The unbeliever is a person that's not born again. He does not know God. He's not redeemed, uh, you know, in the natural yet. He's not manifesting that. He's an unbeliever. But he says the unlearned are in the same mindset as the unbeliever. And by the way, he didn't say, so that occurs, don't do it. I think you read that in there. He didn't say, don't all speak with tongues. You can do whatever you please. If you're, if you're the leader and you say, I want everybody that speaks in tongues to speak in tongues and want to pray about something, then everybody that can should enter in right then. Yeah, I found something out about my Bible. If it don't say, doesn't do it, he's just telling you the unbelievers and the carnal people, and the unlearned, they're to have the same assessment of that service. Yeah. Now that should, that should stir you and slap you upside the head. Like, oh my gosh. Somebody comes into church, an unbeliever, and they have the same assessment of you sitting there that are in the room of the unlearned. That's kind of pathetic. Yeah. You have to learn this. It's a period of learning. I'm just talking to you. And then let me go on to one more thing. I think it's over here in verse 39. Wherefore, brethren, covet to prophesy or desire it or be, you know, have a desire for that and forbid not to speak with tongues. All right. So I'm just showing you that. 
I know what people say. Well, I'm trying, this is what it comes out to be. I'm trying to make my service as non-spiritual as I can because of the unbeliever (laughs) or the carnal people. I don't know what you're thinking, but you're totally backwards. You should make the service as high spiritually as you can take it. (laughs) And the people who don't understand that, if they really want to learn, they could learn. They could be a part of it. And I'm preaching real good here. (laughs) But I'm showing you that because people stay in the room of the unlearned because they think they couldn't learn it, but you can learn anything. I said, Lord, one time he told me to write my book on angels. I put it off for 25 years. Dr. Dufresne got in my life. I think we were having lunch one time when I first met him, which would be almost 30 years ago, 29. And he said, you know anything about angels? I said, well, I know some. What, what, what do you mean? And he asked me some questions. And I responded. You got any notes on that? I, oh, yeah, I got, I don't know, pages and pages. Could I get a copy? You sure can. I had my secretary duplicate it and send it to him. He calls me back and said, my God, you need to write a book on this. You know something. I said, Really? And then I went back to God and said, you know, I don't know how to do that, Father. And I knew he, this is the way God does me. When he's irritated with me, he gives me one word answers. He just said, learn. And I said, can we discuss it? He said, no, that's what your problem is. You're not willing to learn how to do that. And it's been like 25 years since I first dealt with you about it. And you blew it off and blew it off until you just forgot about it. And then Dr. Frank gets in your life and he realizes you got some revelation, encourages you to write it. And you're still pleading, pleading your case. I said, I'm sorry, Father, you're exactly right. I repent. I'm going to learn. First, I'm going to learn to believe for somebody that knows how to do it to come to me. <laughs> These are just ways to get around things if you're thinking. And God sent Sean to me. Sean's been with me for 20 years. Very intelligent man. Teacher of the year in our local high school when I hired him. They all thought he was nutty to go work for a church. But I equaled his salary that he was getting for teacher of the year in that area, you know. And he helped me and then others have helped me over the years and things. And I learned. I learned some things I had to do and I got people around me that somebody's anointed to help me. See, really, I was just unwilling to fool with all that, the truth of it. I'm just being honest with you. I know you would never admit that, but I will. (laughs) But when he said learn, I said, well, if I can, then I can learn it. See, when he said learn, I know there's a way to get on the other side of this, even though I don't have any comprehension of how I can do this legally and cohesively and write a book that would make sense. Anyway. God anoints certain people to impart into our lives. We can run the anointing off that we receive if what we do afterwards is not spiritual. Now, I had a youth group. I mean, my church, I had a youth group. I don't know how many there was in it then, maybe 30. And we had other churches that were connected to us. They brought their youth to my church. And um, I think I taught that night on the Abacan anointing from being in Siberia with dad. There was about 70 young people there, plus me, my wife, my mother-in-law, she was elderly. And I taught a little bit and then we all fell on the floor. We, I didn't tell them to do that. I fell on the floor and they all fell on their face with me. And we laid in complete silence. I want to tell you something here. I didn't tell them to do that. We were in complete silence. My mother-in-law, she was probably 75 at the time. 
I'm, I'm 73, so I'm just a couple years away from that. And she said, nobody moved, Michael. I was, she paid attention, you know, she was looking around and said, you were down for one hour. Nobody talked, nobody got up and went to the bathroom. Nobody talked to each other. We just laid before God for one hour. And then I found out some of my teenagers from my church went down to the movie house. So when they came back Sunday, I let them have it. How dare you do that to the Holy Ghost? I didn't even orchestrate that. The Holy Ghost just took the service over, threw me on the ground on my belly, and I just began to worship God, and all the youth were doing that too, and mostly in silence for one hour. You can't get people to be still for 15 minutes. And you're so busy because you're so distracted. You know, I let my kids play sports, but I didn't let them play every sport. I said, I'm not going to run you all over town every day that I live. That's never going to happen. You pick something you like, and I'll help you with that. And maybe something else. We'll see. But I'm not going to run all over the neighborhood to get you involved in everything that every adult thinks their kids need to do. This is the church that I'm running, and you need to be with me in this church. So don't ask me to go to Bob's church or Cindy's church or whatever. You're in my church Wednesday night. That's where you belong. Until you can whip me, you're going to be there. <laughs> I know you don't like stuff like that, but let's... my son, he elaborates things that I threw him one time across the room into the wall and he said, that's not true. <laughs> but he did smart off to his mother, my wife. I don't know how many times and I warned him, I said, you're going to stop that or I'm going to have to deal with you. And he said something real smart aleck to her. And I just followed him to his room, turned around and slapped him in the face like that as hard as I could. And he fell on the bed. I didn't throw him anywhere. I said, either get up and go to outside. We'll just get it on right now. And the winner take all. You're going to obey me. That's my wife you're talking to. And you're going to stop it right now. Dad, you don't need to get so intense. Well, you didn't need to, you needed to shut your mouth. This is my wife you're talking to, not some stranger. You shouldn't be talking like that to anybody. You're such a smart aleck. I want it stopped. Or come to the backyard with me and let's just get it on. <laughs> Winner take all. He's about 17 then. He tells her I threw him across the bedroom into the... I said, I did not do that. I would have if I needed to. <laughs> Hallelujah. So I got on those young people for going to the movie house after they'd had that great. And this, I'm just telling you what I think. You can do whatever. You don't have to obey anything I say. I'm not your boss. I'm just telling you what I know about humans, though. They get in an atmosphere like that, and the Holy Ghost visits us. I think that's one of the maybe two or three times that's ever happened to me, where the Holy Ghost just took over the whole service, me and everybody in it. And nobody got up and went to the potty, and nobody was talking. And we just laid before God. That'd do you good to do that. Some, just by yourself, see if you could do it for one hour and not talk. Anyway, I said, you took the Holy Ghost down there when you were all anointed and you went in a movie house. And I know there's nothing down there of any interest for real people that are intelligent. I don't understand why you would do that to the Holy Ghost. You've grieved him. And of course, a lot of the people were there, the adults that were their parents. I just let them have it too because... I've let them hear me talk to their kids. 
You can't do stuff like that and continue to have services like this where the Holy Ghost will do something extravagant with us and then just act like that. You should have went home and got your Bible, went in your bedroom and just laid before God and talked. Maybe you should have said, God, what do you want to say to me that I've done this tonight? You know, God is not a deaf mute. I'm not making fun of that, but he will talk to you. If you're sincere, you'll listen. Okay. I don't know. You you understand where I'm going with this? I'm not sure you're following me, but I'm doing my best to teach this. Okay. So we don't do that kind of thing, especially when you, and it's just, and you know, this services some are just, I mean, I was in a service in January. I think it was a Monday night at one of my son's churches. And I mean, I have, I don't think I've ever been out that far in the spirit in any church, in any, any service like that, to that degree. Just the Lord was just on it and he was on it with me. I didn't go back to the hotel and watch something. I don't watch much during the day anyway. I don't even believe in the news people. They're all liars. And they only tell me what's already happened. You know, God will, if you get with him, he'll tell you what's going to happen and get towards you. All right. You're kind of too general for me. That's okay. Just go ahead and believe their lives. It'll just mess you up. The spiritual endowments we receive help us to come up into another spiritual level. It takes mutual faith for this impartation to take effect in our lives. We must put value on impartations. These impartations help us to grow up, supply what's lacking, what's needed in our life. To, so that we can get to the end. You know, Romans 1 said, to the end that we may be established. I, I don't know about you. I want to get to the end in God's timing. I want to get to the fullness of whatever he has for me. I told you I'm coming into a new room. And this is a precious story. I'll just tell you, she went to heaven uh, about a year ago, maybe further back. A lady in my church, she was a wonderful intercessor. Her name was Susan. And she came one Sunday to church and I was at church that Sunday. He said, can I talk to you, Dr. Men? I said, sure, let's sit down and talk. She said, I got in your prayer room. And I said, you did? I didn't see you. I said, she said, I saw a door. <laughs> and she's blowing me out because I didn't tell anybody about this new door. I said, what did it look like, Susan? And she described it to a T. I said, my God, you've been in my prayer room. <laughs> And she said, I want to tell you, the Lord told me when that door comes open fully and you're in that other room, it's going to revolutionize everything that you've done up till now. It's going to change a lot. It's going to be much greater, much more powerful. So I'm excited that door's coming open. (laughs) So let me give you the four things here. You know, let's go to Romans 1 for just a minute and go back and look at this. Dad Dufresne, he... um, he had a little sheet of paper. I, I don't have it right now here with me, but I have it written down what was on it. And it was written by John Wesley. I'm pretty sure that was who it was. And my son later got me a book on the book of Romans by John Wesley. And it said the same thing. But this sheet of paper came out of John Wesley's personal footnotes in a Bible that he writ, wrote, you know, that had the book of the Bible in it, of course. But he put a little footnotes and he said, uh, let's see, let's read it, verse 11 and 12. For I long to see you that I may impart unto you uh, some of my spiritual gift, or we learned yesterday some of the spiritual endowment that's on me, or a miraculous faculty, a deliverance or a rescue, 
to the end that you may be established. That is, that I may be comforted, comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. That's what I said last night. I have faith to release what I have. You have faith to take it. Okay, so if I call for something, that's what I meant by that. And it's good you could pray in tongues, but when I get to you, it would be smart if you just got real silent. So if I had something for you, I could give it to you. Now, I had a big uh, convention down in Mexico a few years ago. We had 60 pastors and their wife in a local church. And I got to some of the pastor's wives. This one lady, she was practically screaming, crying, snot running down her face. I mean, it was a mess. And she was just hollering. And I said, tell her to be quiet. <laughs> I try and be as nice as I could be. I told you about the Oreo cookies, didn't I? <laughs> and he wouldn't tell her. And I said, you either tell her I'm going to shake her. And he still wouldn't. And I just shook her until she opened, open your eyes. Listen, lady, if I had something to say to you, I'd have to scream it because you're making such a commotion. Somebody get her a Kleenex. Blow your nose and stand up and listen to me. If I had something to say to you, I wouldn't have been able to say it. I'm not being, of course, the congregation all turned against me like dogs. You know, they thought I'm really getting this lady mad. But she took the advice and stood back up and I ministered to her. So, you know, when you're up here, if I wanted to say something, what would I do? Have to slap you to get your attention? You're screaming, you're bawling, you're slobbering. You're... I'm sorry, honey, I know you're emotional about whatever's been the issue, but I may have an answer, but I'm not going to give it to you if you're making so much noise. So I finally won the part of the people back. I'm not sure they all like me, but that's okay. Anyway, back to what we're saying here, Dr. Dufresne had on a different piece of paper and he says, impartations come by these four things, what John Wesley said. He was a Methodist. That when Meth that's when Methodists were Methodists. Right. <laughs> no, they're having the move of God right now at Asbury. It's in Kentucky. And that's a Methodist school. But anyway, John, John Wesley said, impartations come through preaching. So I'm preaching to you tonight. I know I'm a little frisky. I'm a little forceful, a little bit, some maybe to you. I don't know what you're thinking, but I'm just trying to help you here with what I'm saying. Yes. Nothing I'm saying is going to hurt you. So it can come through preaching. You could get something. How about private conversations? I think I got more from Dr. Dufresne in private settings. And it wasn't just me and him, but a lot of them were, but there were other preachers around. If I learned to be quiet when he's trying to talk. Yeah. See, you know, nobody told me to do this. Just listen to me. A minute. I never brought my phone to any luncheon with any preacher for any reason ever. And if they came to eat lunch with me one day and they had their phone, they got up four times. That's the last time I'm having lunch with them. They weren't interested in knowing me or learning from me or even in conversing with me. They were just concerned about all the people that were calling them. Mm -hmm. I'm just talking to you. You can do whatever you want with that. I'm not, let, I'm not, my phone does not dominate me. I don't have one on me. Oh my God, what are you going to do? I'm going to leave it at the hotel because I came here to preach, not to answer the phone. What if somebody's dying? Well, they're either going to go ahead and die or wait till I get back to help them, help them live. So impartations come through preaching. It can come through private conversations. I never will forget dad. You know, I had an airplane. I had a 421. I don't know how many years I had it. 
myself and then I was selling it. And so he said something to me in the service. When you come back, I want to talk to you about something. So I went back, you know, when the service was over to the green room, that's when we had it back in the office back there and there would be all kinds of preachers. Before they came in, he said, I want to buy your airplane. I said, wonderful. I said, you write up the contract because I knew he had gotten burnt by some other so-called sons. I'm not trying to bang a sore subject up, but I know what I know. And I said, you make a contract and I'll sign it, Dad. I don't matter what you put in and I'll put my, my John Hancock on it. And he looked at me. This was one of the most memorable moments in my life. And he said, with you, this will do. I said, I appreciate it. You're making me want to cry, Dad. But I would sign anything you put together. I meant that. I know you did, but because you, I know you, this will do with you. Man, that was like saying, I don't know. It was just, I don't know if you even catch what I'm thinking. Yes. <laughs> I just made my, I don't know, it was just something unique. Number three, laying on the hands. Things can be conveyed to people, impartations through laying on, and a lot of it is by that manner, laying on of hands. Uh, and then last but not least, it can come through prayer as we pray and stuff. So just talking to you about some things here. Are you okay? All right, let me, let me see where I'm at here. Okay, that was part of that other page. All right, let's, let's talk for a minute. We're in Romans, let's read it again one more time. Do we have to read it again? No, we get to read it again. Yeah. Verse 11, I long to see you. Now, I think you hear in those words, I long to see you, a spiritual father's heart towards his children. I long to see you. And by the way, I, I long to see you guys and thank you. I mean, you didn't invite me, but thank you, Morgan and Pastor Nancy, for letting me come. They don't have to let me come. I'm a big boy. But I appreciate their heart for me, the Dufresne family. And I have a heart for them, too. All right. I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift or out of my endowment, my spiritual endowment, or my miraculous faculty that operates through that. And... Um, to the end that you may be established. God's trying to establish us in things concerning impartations. So it isn't always through laying on the hands, but it can come that way. In other words, while I'm preaching tonight, you may get some insight into things you, that I didn't say because the Holy Ghost will take you wherever you're at and start dealing with stuff. Yeah. And if you're sensitive, you'll realize, uh-oh, I see that now. Yes. I need to tweak myself and get better, you know, in what I'm doing, if that's the case. All right. That is that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. So I have faith to release what I have and you have faith to take it. Now we talked about this. Uh, and let, me, let me give you these other translations that I have in here. To give, he said where he says uh, that I, let's see, to give you out of my spiritual gift, to give you fresh strength. You know, it's important to have fresh strength. <laughs> he says to make you strong. That's another translation of this verse 11. To establish you to be steadfast. So all those things come out of different translations of verse 11. 
And then we talked a little bit last night out of Ephesians. You remember that? Or last yesterday morning. I'm sorry. This is Monday night. Yes, Sunday morning. Every believer, I said, that has a destiny established by God to fulfill during their time in the earth. While the foolish walk through life with no understanding of God's will, the wise use their God-given giftings and anointings to walk in a manner pleasing to the Father. And Romans 12 and 6 says, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Everybody is gifted in some level, but there are different levels of that gifting and different dimensions of that, that gifting. And it's up to you to figure out that, those things. All right. And you don't have to be like everybody else, but you have, if it's anointing on you, you could use it. And I just start with my family. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then I want to talk to you a little bit about, oh, let me read this. The gifting to accomplish God's will in the earth were given to us by the Father. Some of those gifts were deposited early in life. Like I read you last night, Jeremiah 1, 5, when you, before you were in your mother's womb. Right. Remember that? Yes. I called you to be a prophet to the nation. That was my calling. I didn't see that when I first read it. I read that part of it though. But I was so immature back then, all I thought about was, you know, you called the wrong guy to preach. I can't handle this. I don't, I'm afraid to get up in front of people. When I was a drug dealer, I wasn't afraid of anything. <laughs> but I was crazy. <laughs> but so sometimes those things are put in by God. Others, though, come through men and women of God divinely positioned in the life of a believer. You can't go to a church that doesn't believe this and get it. It's not available. The church that doesn't move in the Holy Ghost, they don't know what we're talking about. I, we were talking on the way here, me and Pastor Keith. And I said, it's just amazing what we already know. And think about most of the churches in this city may not understand that. Right. Talking about impartations. Laying on the hands. I don't know where people get away and think they shouldn't lay hands on people. Now, we should be careful who we let lay hands on people. Because the Bible says not only is anointing on them to get, but their personal soul gets transmitted. And sometimes people are just not right. And when they minister to other people, those people have problems. I mean, Pastor Nancy's not out here with us. She's had to do something. But, and, uh, you know, I know that some lady ministered to her one time before she realized all that. And she had a, a problem on her mind after that. Dad told this publicly. I know you guys know about it. I'm just talking here. I'm not criticizing her. When you don't know something, you don't know it. Then she told about some of you, I don't know if you're here today, some girls that went to a meeting and this guy was trying to pray for everybody. And the girl said, I didn't want him to pray for me. So I faked, fall out before he got to me. (laughs) What a great comment. I like that. (laughs) Hallelujah. That's pretty funny. Pretty good. For a stronger anointing to come on you, you must be prepared. That's a profound statement there. For a stronger anointing to come on you, you must be prepared. Every uh, normal believer wants to increase. Some run around going to all kinds of different meetings to get it. And responsibility comes with the power. You know, I just can't go everywhere with my life. I'm running out of days because I'm 73. I'm not planning to go home anytime soon. You know, but I'm just talking to you. I don't have time to do everything. And I stay within my camp and I stay within my calling. 
And I'll just tell you something, because you may want to know this. I don't know if it affects you or not. I don't know. But when dad went home, I said, Lord, Lord, you know, I'm not rebellious. And if you have somebody else you want me to submit to, I'm willing to do that. He said, no, I don't have anybody for you to do that with. You already have some sons and daughters and you're going to have a lot more. And he said, some of them are going to fail, though they're with you and they're going to criticize you and they're going to leave you. Don't let that bug you. They just didn't get it. You know, and I remember being a pastor teaching people for 14, 15 years. I remember one guy I went to his home, took a pistol away from him. He's going to shoot himself and his wife, and I made him live. I said, give me that gun or I'm going to tackle you. I got the gun away from him. Now sit down and listen to me. I'm going to take you and your wife through deliverance, and I'm going to take you through marriage counseling, and I'm going to marry you both at your home. If you want to do that, I'll do that for you. And then people got mad at me over something stupid and called and said, you don't love us anyway. And I said, well, that's not what you told me when I took the gun away from you. Not a hero either. Sometimes God said, don't get out of your vehicle to deal with this. So I didn't get out. I'm smart enough to listen to him. And those guys both had ball bats. I used to carry one too. It's for hitting things. Anyway. <laughs> I'm just going to let that lay. Okay. <laughs> not batter's not up or nothing. I'm Okay. <clears throat> Let me see where I was. You have to know what you're called to do and grow in it. I didn't think like that when I was younger. I'm talking about me. I didn't know it. What you don't know, you don't think. I'm helping you get prepared for what I'm saying. You got to think right to get a greater anointing. You don't pay for it, but you have to understand what it takes to get there. All right, let me look here what I've got. A couple other things here and we'll be done. I don't know when I started really. Maybe 7.30. Does anybody know? I know. Just go till you're done. Okay. I'm going <laughs> to. It says in Romans, you know, we were here already about long into BC. It says, I long to see you that I may impart unto you some out, something out of my spiritual gift or my endowment to the end that you may be established. That is that I may be, be comforted together with you by the mutual faith both of you and me. I found that out and it made my life so different because I felt for a long time everything was on me as the preacher. But see, that's not true. I could be in some church. In fact, I went to this church three or four times and after the first time I told the pastor, please don't ask me back. I don't want back. Your people don't pay attention. But he begged me and he's a good friend of mine. I said, okay. And I came back two more times. I said, your people are just belligerent. They're mean. I don't know. You know, when he asked me about going there, I won't go into detail about that. I was his dad and I gave him some information, but he didn't see it at that time or whatever. <clears throat> so it says the word impart in the Greek means to give a share of as if to spend out one's life for another person. Paul was imparting out of his endowment a gift from God to others. And this impartation was from a supernatural source. You need to know that. Let's go to 2 Timothy 1. <clears throat> it's just really powerful when you pay attention to this. Now, Paul was a man, but he, he had supernatural power. We'll see this. Uh, first of all, an impartation from his family. Uh, 2 Timothy 1, verse 5, 6. I might verse, use verse 7, but really just 5 and 6 mainly. When I call to remembrance... The unfeigned faith, that's a funny word. Unfeigned just means sincere. When I call to remember your sincere faith, Timothy, that is in you, 
which dwelt in thy first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I am persuaded that is in thee also. So grandma and mom passed down something to Timothy. You know, Timothy was just a, he was a good man. He was more raised by the women there in his family where Titus, I think he was a hell's angel or something. <laughs> <laughs> he talks about, I was over there. Those slow, slow bellies and liars. Sounds like me preaching sometimes anyway, but <clears throat> see, he got an impartation through his family, his mother and his grandmother. I got a lot of things from my mother in me too. I see that. She was just a real mom and she wasn't afraid of us boys, me and my two brothers. And I mean, she, she would really let us have, of course, my sister would always jump in the middle of us and get hurt and she'd start crying. We heard the belt drawer open in the kitchen. Uh-oh, we're all going to get a beating. We said, we didn't do nothing to her, mom. She jumped on top of us and rolled off. <laughs> didn't seem to make any difference to my mother. She was going to spank us anyway. So we see Paul got something, but now I want you to look at this here, verse six, wherefore I put you in remembrance that you stir up the gift of God, not my gift, the gift of God, which was in thee by the putting on of my hands. God just used a man's hands to transmit something from God to that person. And I want you to listen to me. It came from a supernatural source, yet it was distributed through a person's hands. To, to another son to him. Timothy was the son to him like Titus and others. So I'm just trying to show you the gift of God stirred up. So, you know, you could pray in the spirit that helps stir things up for you. Listen to me here. And I, what I do is I like to pray for maybe 40 or 50 minutes and then I get quiet before God. And usually I have a piece of paper and pencil. Now I like to drive by myself and get out in the country and just pray in the Holy Ghost or pray over something specific or just pray to build up myself. Or sometimes I, I have a burden or whatever you would call that for a certain family member or a certain situation that I'm aware of that needs help. And I go pray for that. And then in my truck or I stop I pull it off the side of the road and when I get an answer from God, I put it on a sticky tab and stick it in my truck so I can put it on another piece of paper. When I, I used to do this. I used to think, I don't need to write that down. I'm going to remember it. And then one time came and I didn't remember it. And I said, Father, would you talk to me about it? No, you just, you neglected to do what you knew to do and I'm not going to tell you. And then I got real upset with myself and started to cry. And I said, I won't do that to you anymore. See, like, for example, I think it was 2008. This was one of the major visions I had. I'm not talking about the vision. I'm talking about getting up early. God woke me up at 5 o'clock or 4 o'clock. said, go in the living room and pray in tongues. I went in there and prayed in tongues. And I had a sheet of paper blank, a pencil next to me. And I prayed for 50 minutes and I stopped. And the Lord said, Michael, I'm going to give you a new anointing. I said, you are. What's it about? It's about people with lung problems. People have COPD. They have asthma. Uh, some of them have cancer of the lungs and you're going to be able to minister to them and they're going to get healed. Wow. I wrote that all down. And so when God tells me, I give that as a word of knowledge and people will come and get ministered to. And then I went on a mission trip to Costa Rica. That was in 2008, later in the year. Now, now up to now, I have no idea that it's anything's attached to an angelic being concerning that particular issue. I'm talking about, what am I talking about? See if you listened. What am I talking about? Lungs. Thank you. 
So I'm in Costa Rica and there's this boy, he's 10 years old, he's the grandson of the man that asked me to come. And I'm at the pulpit and he's probably over here somewhere. We're in not a church building, but just a, like a community building somewhere in Costa Rica. And this is the way, and I'm not making fun, but this is the way this boy breathes. He sounded like a machine. I looked over at him, of course, my heart, I had compassion for him. I went ahead and finished my sermon. I said, if you had any lung problems, get up here. A lady came, she was 80 years old. She was very old. Well, that's not too bad. She's not real old because I'm only seven years away. Let me take that back. <laughs> you know, the Bible says you can call your words back. I'm calling those back, Father. Don't pay no attention to that. Put the blood of Jesus on it. And this lady came and said, I've been sick all my life with lung issues. And when I went, I laid hands on her head and this angel came, stood in between us. He has a laser that shoots out of this finger. And what he did is I'll take a brother here. And what he does, if I'm in the spirit, I'll see somebody's lungs. Now, I don't always see people's lungs, but I did in this case. And it was, it was dirty looking in there like there was gook in there. I don't know. It's just sickness and disease and she couldn't breathe right. And this angel just goes back and it's like an eraser. It's like a white looking light comes out of there and he just goes over all that. And when he gets done, they look brand new. And this lady, the elderly lady, I saw that angel showed up. I said, Hey, this angel's helping with your lungs lady. And I got the little boy came that day. <laughs> I prayed for him. Now he didn't do that with his laser on him. But he must have reached in there. And what happened, because his mother told me that night when I saw her again, his mother, uh, he, she said he was born with some kind of, um, uh, what do you call it, disabling thing in the bones of his chest and it pushed against his lungs. And you really thought this boy was going to breathe the last breath and just kill over it. He just sounded so bizarre, like he was on a machine. He wasn't, but he sounded so terrible, like... I'm just gasping for another breath. He was 10 years old. And after, and he fell out and I went, I went to lunch with somebody and he eventually got up and went home with his family. There's about 10 kids in that family. Let's call him Jose. That's a good Spanish name, isn't it? And he's standing over to the side and everybody else is eating. They look, mama looked at him. What are you doing, Jose? And he's over there like this. Mama, I'm breathing. <laughs> and so that angel helped us. Because she said he, something was a matter of de deformed chest cavity and pushed everything together. Now he's just normal. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Just interesting, isn't it? Now, I was thinking here, you know, I said something a minute ago. I think I already went past that page where I was talking about, you know, you have to be prepared to receive a different anointing. My father-in-law he was a scientist. His name was Dr. Lee Standifer. He was my wife's daddy. And he was a metallurgist. He went to school and became a doctorate in metallurgies in the military, running a chemical lab and, all, and metal lab for the Air Force. He's in World War II and stuff like that. But when he got out, he went to college and all that and became a metallurgist. He knows what compounds work with certain things. And they asked him with some other scientists to figure out, because they sent, I think, they sent up a rocket in the beginning, maybe with a monkey in it. And it wasn't able to take the heat when it came into our atmosphere. It just dissolved the whole thing, monkey and all. So they got him and some other scientists. We're not going to put a man in there and do that until we figure out how to get this heat shield to take the amount of heat that's coming into this atmosphere. I mean, it was like thousands of degrees hot. 
So him and the other scientists, they decided what needed to be removed from what they were using and what needed to be added to make it stand up under that kind of heat. And they did. Of course, we know the rest of it. They sent a lot of people up and they were able to come back safely. And so, you know, he just knew. And I thought about that today when I was. And then they asked him to work on the Alaskan pipeline, the oil line. They put pumps in those lines. You know, I don't know how many hundreds of miles long it is from where they're getting the oil in Alaska down to us. I don't even know if that still exists. But every pump they put in there broke. It was too cold. So we had to figure out him and the other, what kind of metals to remove from that, what kind of things to put in. I'm saying all that to say, if you want to go to another level in the anointing, you may be like that. God's going to tell you, you, you can't watch six hours of TV a day. You can't, you can't just talk idly about other body and things. You can't do that anymore and have a strong anointing. So God may be say to you, you need to take that out of your life. You don't need it anyway. Or you maybe need to put this in your life that'll help you be strong enough to deal with a greater anointing. I remember dad Dufresne said one time publicly, I've learned how to, I've learned how to stand up under that anointing that's on my life. So I don't just fall down. I know what he means by that. Now I do. I didn't understand that then. So like my father-in-law, you know, you have to realize what you need and what you need taken out of you. I'm just saying, be, be focused. I stay in my lane. I stay in my lane. I just stay in what I know that God's using me to do. And I just stay with it. And it expands and grows and gets a little different periodically and different things are added. But I realize I just can't do something. They're not evil things. I just don't have time to do that and be, in, be on the road like I am today. Fishing's not evil, but I don't have time to do that. Golf's not evil, but I don't have time to do that. And there's nothing wrong with being a golfer if you want to be a golfer. Pastor Keith gets good exercise doing that. So I'm not putting anybody down. I'm talking to you. Are you listening? So if you want to get in, and I did a message one time. He reminded me of it this morning. And it was called, Change is Not Change Until It's Changed. Because people think, well, Lord, you're going to help me change. And you're still the same six months later. And you said, well, I changed. No, you didn't. We know you. You're the same. Change is not changed until it's changed. You could tell God, I'm willing to change. And then you never change when he talks to you. So how could you get a stronger anointing when you won't even obey where you're at? I'm just talking. I'm, I'm... I'm not trying to hurt anybody. I'm trying to help everybody. Hallelujah. I just thought that about my father-in-law was kind of interesting. I said, some people never get to the end of anything or get established because they have no impartations. I've been all over the world and sat by ministers who talked about how great this meeting was we're in, how he really needed to hook up with Dr. Dufresne. And, and uh, how he'd received in this meeting so much and how he was going to hook up. And another year or two went by and I asked dad, what did he ever do? Well, he went with somebody else or he didn't do anything. So I guess that's just his emotions working. That guy <laughs> talking to you a little bit. I'm just about done. I really am. What does that mean when a preacher says that normally nothing, but I'm, I'm going to serious about it. You have to have faith to minister and you have to have faith to receive ministry. I had a couple come to my church. I don't know if I told this or not, but just act like it's exciting. 
and they were new to me. They had some money. They dressed well. They spoke well. I didn't know them. I'd never really even met them. And they came up to me after service and said, some of your members told us you cast out devils. I said, well, if somebody needs it, what are you talking about? Well, our daughter. Well, what about your daughter? Well, she's 14 and we put her in the health, we put her in this health, I mean, the mental health institute. We had her committed. Well, what was she doing? Well, she was climbing out the wind at night and having sex with boys and started to do dope. And we wanted to know if you'd come pray for her in the mental place. I said, well, I will under two conditions. Number one, you and your wife are with me. And number two, you're going to obey what I tell you to do. This is not hard to get her delivered. I can get that. But I'm going to need your help if she's going to stay delivered. So anyway, I went to check in at the hospital. You know, it's pretty potent for a 14-year-old, anybody to have sex with anybody and to be starting to take a lot of drugs. So they put her in there. And I've been in the hospital one time for that because I had a real mental problem years ago. I know you still think I do, but I don't. <laughs> I have a sound mind. I have the mind of Christ. Just believe with me. Act like you're believing me. After tonight, I don't know if you're thinking that, but anyway. So I, I call over there and I said, I'm coming such and such a night and they're going to meet me there. I go in, she has my ID at the bottom of the building. They take me up an elevator, whatever floor, take me to this door. It's locked. He knocks guy with me that orderly comes, unlocks the door and he shoves me in and said, now you're going to have to get him to let you back out when you're done because you can't stay here all night. And I said, well, I wasn't planning to. I didn't tell them I was going to cast the devil out of anybody. Yeah. They don't believe that. I got asked to leave that hospital once already, but they just didn't remember my name. As <laughs> I was ministering deliverance to somebody. Anyway, uh, I went, she was in room 12. I went down there and knocked and stepped in and she ran to the furthest corner of the room. And you remember when you had a puppy and you whipped him with a newspaper? He went, <laughs> That's what she did. She ran as furthest corner and she started acting like a little puppy. I said, well, dad, we're going to go over. You're going with me. We're going to catch the devil. And I went like that and he grabbed my arm. I said, what's the matter with you? Well, her mother and I have been thinking. Well, he said the wrong thing to the wrong guy right then. I said, you've been thinking, what are you thinking? Do I need to tell you what you're thinking? I think I know you don't want my help. Is that right? Well, how'd you know that? I said, when you tell me you've been thinking, you and your wife, and this is your little girl, and you want to just leave her here to get in group therapy where everybody pets their own devils, and the psychiatrist, and, this, and there's something good to psychology. I'm not downgrading the whole system. But then they're going to give her medication that calms her down, supposedly. But they don't ever deal with the real root of the problem, which is the devil. <laughs> He's getting addicted to both of those things. You realize your daughter's only 14. She's already had sex, at least maybe with a boy or maybe a boy and a girl. I don't know. You didn't tell me everything. I'm going to go cast it. No, we don't want you to do that. So you want me to leave her like I found her. I said, you two people need to be incarcerated for mental problems. You're not right. I can't believe that you're the parents and you want your little girl to figure out how to get out of all that without any spiritual help. And there's no answer to that except what I can give her. <laughs> but see, you're not agreeing with me. You told me you would be in agreement with me. So I'm just going to rebuke you both because you're both crazy. 
Because if, you, if she doesn't get some help, what if she ends up 30 years old and a dancer at a club and, and got four kids all by different men and she has no husband? What do you think about that then? Well, I hate you talking like that. Well, I hate you talking like you've just talked. You asked for my help. I fasted and prayed. I'm ready to minister to her, but I'm not going to set her free if you two are going to be mental problems. You're letting your 14-year-old girl make the decision. You're not involved in this. I don't know what's wrong with you people. And I said, you're nuts. You're really nutty. And I, I just said, I'm sorry, I have to leave her like I found her. But people do things like that. I mean, it could have just been a, you know, 10 second thing, perhaps. Okay. Now, you want me to go any further or just let you go? <laughs> Tricky question. Mm-hmm. I wanted to read this to you. Well, I had some other notes, but not, we're going to be here tomorrow night, right? We'll just do it then. I don't know how I started. How long have I been preaching? Maybe an hour? Nobody knows. Nobody's telling me the truth. Okay. Yes. <laughs> I wanted to read this, uh, a couple of these, um, uh, these are prophecies. This was in Abakan, Russia, Siberia, where we went with dad three different times. And on this one trip, it was in 2002. Uh, we were sitting in a back room and after we had, after dad had that service and we were sitting in a back room, like a little closet. And it had some fold down chairs, about six, five or six. And there was me and several other people in that room. And, uh, I know Pastor Matthews was there, your daddy, right? And I think John Larkin was there, and I don't remember anybody else. I'm trying to think who else was in that room. And we all started shaking under the power of God. And Pastor Gerald Watson, how many know him? Uh, from Chicago, he stood up and he goes, Dad, I'm having a heart attack. And he went like that and he just fell face down on the carpet. And he fell face down right like this. This is Dr. Dufresne where Pastor Keith is sitting and I'm sitting in a chair this way and he fell like that. And all of a sudden I looked and an angel came in right after Gerald fell. He didn't open the door. He just walked through it. And dad laid hands on his head. When he did, the angel laid hands on, on Gerald and he got up in about 20 seconds. It was all right. I think since then he's had some heart surgery, but at that moment God raised him up. And then dad began to say, I'm just going to read this prophecy and then we'll minister to some people. He says, these are the men, he was talking to the five or six of us in there. These are the men I'll send out all over the world with special anointing, special anointing, special works of God, special acts of God will flow through their ministries. Now, see, if I didn't know Dr. Frank, I might want to challenge that, but I knew him. He never did that unless he knew he heard from heaven and I trusted him. And he says, these are surely the last days. Rise up and be strong, be healthy, see through the spirit. Uh, and then he dealt with something that was going to try to, something was going to try to kill our president. And he dealt with that in Jesus name. Then he went back to this. Who are these men? And they go into cities and churches rise up right away, right away. I tell you who these are. These are the men of the last days that are anointed by the power of God to do the acts of God, who yield themselves to the acts of God. Signs, miracles, healings, and women there will be. Who are these women? I'm telling you, there's a young ladies in the earth right now. I know several of them personally. I'd say Morgan's one of them. And I'd say there's some other sons, one, I mean daughters, his youngest daughter. And they're just going to be mighty women of God. They already are to some level, but we haven't seen anything yet. 
And I, I mean, men will get that way too, but I see a lot of younger ladies that I'm their grandpa-like now because I'm older and stuff, but they're, they're moving fast and they're moving powerfully. And he said, who are these uh, women that God is raising up in these last days? Then he went back to, who are these men? Glory to God. They are the men that will walk in the power of the acts of God and the healings of God. And they will move across this land, this generation. There will be a generation raised up for miracles, signs, and wonders. And he went on talking about China a little bit and stuff like that. Anyway, it's just a lot of things like that. And then I want to read one, one portion of something here. I went to see dad in August of uh, 2013. He was in Clarksville, Tennessee. Pastor Luffman, you may know him. He's pastor there. And I was in the meeting with dad and he called me out. He said, Michael, come up here and stand. And he came to me and he said, uh, another part of the puzzle, one part, something's missing. Then he laid his hands on me and I fell out and he said, it's not missing anymore. So I took it as this. I didn't know he was going to exit the earth in two more months. I didn't see that coming. But I see this in this comment here. Whatever I needed, I didn't have it missing anymore. He ministered to me and he said, now that's not missing. I felt like Brother uh, Dr. Dufresne said of Kenneth Hagan. Kenneth Hagan ministered to him as he you know, was in a meeting. I don't know where they were at, maybe Florida. I don't know for sure. Anyway, he said, you got all that you need from me now. And I felt like that with dad. I didn't know he was going to exit the earth. But what would happen if I hadn't been in that meeting? What I'm trying to tell you is, with, you know, it was a very serious moment for me to realize he wasn't here. And Morgan was really a big blessing to me. Because when she called me about dad, I, I just it didn't have anywhere to put that in my brain. And she stayed on the phone with me. And I said back to her, you didn't say what you just said, did you? I know that don't make sense to you. I was trying to figure out where to put that in my brain. And I had nowhere to put it. And she finally said to me, she gave me a chance. I think I was crying. She said, yes, doctor. Dr. Dufresne and Mitch have went to heaven. <laughs> and I just started bawling. And finally, I knew what to do. I went in the bathroom and looked in the mirror and I said, I tell you what we're going to do, Michael. We're going to get on the other side of this. I knew enough of God that I was talking to myself now. And the Lord said, you'll be all right. You'll have some other times when you'll shed a tear, but don't let that bug you. You'll be all right. I'm going to take care of that. <laughs> okay. Anyway, you know, I just appreciate getting a touch from God from my spiritual father at the end of things to make me feel like I didn't miss out on stuff. I don't know that I was the best son he ever had. I wouldn't go that far nearly, but I know we were close. I know he loved me. That was important to me that he loved me. He didn't love me because you could get him healed or delivered, but he loved me, Michael. I like that. All right. Stand up with me, will you? Hallelujah. I'd like you to come to, tonight. First of all, if you have any problems with your teeth or your gums or that little click thing there, that little whatever you call that TMJ, if you have any of those things, I'd like you to come right now. Or you get infections a lot in your mouth or mouth sores or anything like that. We have anointing for that. I'd like you to come and line up. I'm going to pray for you. And then I have some other things I'll do with the Lord leads me. How's that? It's just early. This is what, Monday night? Okay. 
So I'm going to lay hands on the people. And when I lay hands on you, you just, you begin to think like this. I'm going to start saying to all the people lined up, the anointing's working in my life. It's working in my mouth. It's working in my teeth. If that's the problem, working in my gums, working to resolve this clicking in my head that when I chew is goes click, click, click. Had a young lady in my church. She, her mouth was full of appliances. She had to sleep like that. And I prayed for her one time and God just revealed all that and took care of it. She went back to the dentist she was seeing or whatever you call it, orthodontist, I don't know. He said, well, you're normal. I don't know what did that, but you don't need this equipment now. So I'm saying to you, Beverly, be healed in your mouth, your gums, your teeth. You be healed in your mouth too. You be healed in your mouth. You be healed in your mouth. You be healed in your mouth and your gums and your teeth. Be healed, ma'am, in the area of your body, your mouth. Be healed in the name of Jesus. Be healed in the name of, be healed in the name of Jesus. Be healed, sir, in your mouth, your gums, your teeth. Be healed, ma'am. Be healed in the name of Jesus. Be healed in the name of Jesus. Be healed in the name of Jesus. Praise God. Hallelujah. We're just getting started. We're going to go somewhere here. Be healed in your mouth. Be healed in your mouth. Be healed in your mouth. Be healed, honey, in your mouth. Be healed in your mouth. Be healed in your mouth. Be healed in your mouth in the name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Be healed in your mouth in the name of Jesus. Be healed in your mouth. I've had people's teeth grow out sometimes. Be healed in your mouth. I command that to be healed. Be healed in your mouth in the name of Jesus. Be healed in your mouth in Jesus. Be healed in your mouth. Be healed in your mouth in the name of Jesus. That anointing will start going through you. And the more you say it to yourself, I'm healed in my mouth or my teeth or my gums or whatever it was that you came for, be healed in your mouth. You, you have issues too? Your husband. Father, I, we pray for a husband now. We pray for power of God to go into this cloth when it's laid on him. Every symptom leave and everything be resolved. There's any kind of demonic activity it has to leave in the name of Jesus. Just like Acts 19, 11 and 12 says. Be healed in your mouth in the name of Jesus. Be healed in your mouth in the name of Jesus. Be healed in your mouth in the name of Jesus. Be healed in your mouth in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hey, where's, uh, where's Brother Grant at? Is he here tonight? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah, Dufresne. Yeah, I'd like him to come sing something if he would. He's coming now. Okay, great. Be healed. Oh my goodness. A powerful. You feel that? Be healed in your mouth. Be healed in your mouth too. Be healed in your mouth in the name of Jesus. Be healed in your mouth. That's it, mom. Be healed in your mouth. Be healed in your mouth in the name of Jesus. Be healed in your mouth in the name of Jesus. Be healed, ma'am in your mouth and command that to be whole. Command you to be healed in your mouth. Command you to be healed in your mouth. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Brother Grant, I need your help. Hey, whatever you want to sing that you think would fit in, and I'll stop you in a minute. I'm going to give another word here. Be healed in your mouth, Grant. In the name of Jesus. 
of the power of God. Speak healing to your whole body, Grant. I don't know what's going on with you, but I command sickness and disease to get out of you in the name of Jesus. Praise God. Hallelujah. It's working in you. It's working in you. Let me give this word for it while we're right at this point here. A spirit of infirmity. Jesus came to me and talked to me about that. The spirit of infirmity, what it is, your body, you just cycle stuff. You recycle stuff. I was at Pastor Hattabal's church a year or two back. Lady's 80 years old. She said, I never heard that taught like that. Spirit of said, I'm sick all the time. And it bounces around in my body. I have sore throats and I have ear problems and I have joint problems and I have knee problems and I have bowel problems and I had stomach problems. And it's like it, you never get self-result. Who is like that here tonight? I want you to come up here. If you get sick all the time, just different sicknesses. Who is that? I want to deal with that as a spirit. Spirit of infirmity. It makes people weak. And this is why we deal with it like that. Jesus called it a spirit of infirmity. He dealt with me about it. In Jesus' name, come out. I rebuke that spirit of sickness and disease off of you. Command you to be delivered and free and healed. In the name of Jesus. Jesus name, come out. I rebuke that now. I command it to loose you and go from you. No more sickness and disease. I command that thing to be removed. In Jesus' name, come out of her. I command that thing broken over your life. No more sickness and disease. In Jesus' name, come out. I break that thing over your life. In the name of Jesus, and command it to go. I break that over your life, ma'am. I command, come out. Loose her and let her go free. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Come out of her in the name of Jesus. Ever bit of that to loose you. All the weaknesses and sicknesses, command them to be removed in Jesus' name. Command that spirit to leave you alone now. In the name of Jesus. Command you to be delivered from that. I command that thing to come out. It's made you sick. Command it to leave you alone and go from you now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for the spirit of infirmity. Have so, baby, come out of him. Loose him and let him go free. In Jesus' name. Command the spirit of infirmity. Loose her. Leave her now. In Jesus' name, by the power of the living God, I pray. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, I command that. Come out of her. Spirit of infirmity, I break your power over her life. Command you to loose her. Go from her, not return. I command that thing. Come out of her. In the name of Jesus, spirit of infirmity, you loose her body and let her go now. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Let's lift our hands a minute. Father, we bless you and thank you for your goodness for your mercy, for your strength, for your tender mercies and loving kindness. We thank you in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody, there's maybe several somebody's here. You have a hard time. What would I call that, Father? Processing food. You don't digest food properly and it just goes straight through you. Kind of. I hate to be graphic, but who is that? You need some help with that. I'm going to wait a minute. You don't process food correctly. That's what I'm talking about. Could be in your stomach. Could be in a lower, big intestine, small. In the name, I command that to leave you now and command your body to function correct, correctly in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God, something's happening to you. 
commands your body to process food correctly like God created you to, in the name of Jesus, command that broken over your life and the fear that's been associated with it, that you're not going to be well. Well, you are well right now. I'm calling you well and healed. And I command that thing to leave your body, command your body to kick in and catch up with my faith and your faith in the name of Jesus. Praise God. Command your body to be healed in this area. You begin to digest food appropriately, properly, correctly in the name of Jesus. Oh, thank you, Father. For your husband. Yes, he's in the hospital. Okay, we got a prayer cloth somewhere here. Somebody's going to get me one. He's in the hospital now. Yes, thank you. Okay. Father, I pray for her husband to be healed when this cloth is laid on him. Every spirit that's attached to that has to leave and all the symptoms have to go and him to live and be healed and delivered from all of that in the name of Jesus. There you go. Thank you. Thank you. Is everybody came for that? We good? Hallelujah. 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 You've got a freshness coming on you, Miss... Jesus' name. Hallelujah. He's going to refresh you. You've got some surprises coming from the Lord. (laughs) Hallelujah. Freshness. You know, freshness is good. (laughs) Hey, praise God. Woo! Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There, there's some people here, you have a problem in your neck. I don't know what part of your neck, but you, can't, you don't have mobility in your neck. Who is that? I'd like you to come up here real quick. Got some kind of issue in your neck where it won't, doesn't function correctly. Hallelujah. That's you? It functions, but I, I get this pain where it shoots up to my yeah, head. Yeah, back to your head. Yeah. In the name of Jesus, be healed of that in the name of Jesus right now. Be healed of that in the name of Jesus right now. Command that neck to be totally functional and correctly function. No pain in Jesus' name. Uh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Command you to be healed, Mom, in your neck. Command that thing healed by the power of the living God right now in Jesus' name. Command you to be healed in your neck in the name of Jesus. Oh, my goodness. Command you to be healed, sir, in the name of Jesus in your neck. Woo. Command you to be healed in your neck. It, oh my goodness, power's on you. Watch your power's on you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. We got one more night, and I'm not even sure I'm done tonight yet, but I'm just talking to you here a minute. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this one time. You have depression on you and you've had struggle to get out of it and you still feel like it's hanging on you. I'll be glad to pray for you. I won't slug you. I won't guarantee it, but I probably won't. I can't guarantee it because God could tell me that. But it'd be worth it if something came out of you that left you. Don't be afraid to come. Okay. I'm just waiting. I just feel like somebody needed that tonight. You've had bouts with depression and then it just seems like you're not able to break free from it. 
That's you? Okay. Uh, Jesus, come out! I break that spirit of depression over your life, ma'am. I command it to loose you and go from you now in the name of Jesus. And there it went. Praise God. Command spirit of depression to come out of you, dear. Command it looser. Let her go. Hallelujah. This for your, who's this for? About three different Okay. With depression? Yeah, Father, I just speak that to these claws to go laid on people and the depression will leave them in the name of Jesus. There you go. Command that. Come out of her. Spirit of depression, I bind you. I rebuke you. I command you to lose her now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Just receive with your heart. That's it. Now you're starting to receive. Praise God. There you are. In the name of Jesus, come out of her. I rebuke you and command your power broken. And I command her mind to be sound too. In the name of command this. Come out of him in the name of Jesus. I rebuke you. Spirit of depression, you come out in the name of Jesus. Jesus' name, come out of him. I rebuke that depression, command it to lose you. Who's this for? Father, I pray for this cousin to be delivered from depression. When this is laid on him, every spirit will have to leave and any symptoms will have to go in the name of Jesus. Here you go. Oh, wow. I pray over this, and Father, when it's laid on the person, that the power that's in my hand will come into this cloth and be released into his body or her body in Jesus' name. Amen. I pray over these cloths that the anointing that's in my hand will be on the cloths, and when they're laid on people, they'll receive freedom in the name of Jesus. Command this cloth to be anointed with your power that's in my hand. When it's laid on the person, it'll go into them and, and remove that spirit off of them. Command it to leave in Jesus' name name. Amen. Command that depression to come out of you in the name of Jesus. By the blood of Jesus and the name of Jesus I set you free. Command that to loose you right now in Jesus' name. I pray for these claws to be anointed, Father, by my hands, and when they're laid on the sick and infirm, they'll be delivered from it in Jesus' name. The anointing went into you there while you were, did you feel that? Yeah. Wow. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you so much for staying with me tonight. Thank you for joining us today. To view Dr. Jacobs' travel itinerary, order products, and more, please visit cotrin.org slash mjm.